Regulators, what's good? It's your boy Waldo, back for another edition of the Regulators Podcast. Listen, I want to apologize for last week. I'm not going to spend too much time dwelling on it. It was not our greatest show. I'm pretty sure I had a stroke either before, during the show, maybe a little bit of both. I think I also didn't have enough alcohol in my system, but that is not the case this evening. So I promise I got everything we need to have a very good show so week two is in the books man i want to get into it there's a lot of stuff for us to talk about it's going to be really awesome show but right out of the gate i just got to say a huge thank you to everybody out there in the twitter streets we crossed 10,000 followers this week and we're going to shoot for another 10,000 we're going to hit 20k um but i just want to say thank you like this is such an awesome part of my week that I get to share every single week with you guys. I think I just said week like three or four times, but I love doing this and you guys make it so special and we are gonna continue doing a bunch of giveaways and everything that I can uh, to try to get back to you guys and let you know how much I appreciate it. So in that vein, we had another Funko Pop contest that we did last week and we have pulled a winner for that Funko Pop and the winner is at Weirb at Weirier at W E W Y R B. So I don't know what that stands for. I don't know what the hell it spells. But you are our winner. So we've got Funko Pops for all 32 teams. So please reach out to us, shoot us a DM, and we will hook you up with some kind of awesome NFL Funko Pop. Now. Did any of you get our lock of the week last week? I know Dustfin did. I know Sergeant Dustfin did because he's been rocking with the regulators since day one. He's part of our Patreon exclusive club where we give out all our locks of the week, our free bets, different things. Got some great things going on over there. Um, But we gave you our lock of the week last week for Justin Herbert over one and a half touchdowns. That was easy money easy money. So if you were a Patreon member, then you would have gotten access to that as well as everything else that we have over there. So head on over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Look up Regulators Podcast or just go to regulatorspod.com and you'll find the links there. But it was a good week for us. Um, We did kind of get our ass kicked in the singles a little bit, but we're up four units through two weeks. That's nothing to complain about. So I'm good. Let's talk about some of the headlines from week two. So, it has been decades since we have had the Jets, the Jags, the Lions win on the same day in the National Football League. Um, the Jets were down 30-17 to with a minute 55 left, and everybody's seen the stats and the memes by now. There was like a 99% chance that they were going to lose that game. It was completely out of the works it was done Miami Dolphins same thing 35 to 14 you're down 21 points in the fourth quarter like that's not gonna happen the Cardinals are down 20 nothing at the half and by the end of it they need touchdowns they need two-point conversions all of that happens all of these teams made comebacks and just 
What an amazing, amazing week of football. And what was really cool is we got our first experience with Thursday Night Football. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on how many options they actually have when they're watching Amazon Prime. So when we do the Thursday Night Football, you get the main broadcast, and that's one of your options. But there's also simulcast. There's different things. In the same way that ESPN does the Manning cast, and they have different things, Amazon is trying some different things out, and they had Dude Perfect doing a simulcast last week. And, you know, that didn't really do much for me. But what they did have is they had this really cool option where you could go basically into the AWS stats overlay and think of it like next-gen stats meets a live broadcast. So you still had the entire live broadcast with all the commentary, with everything happening, but while it was happening, you had these little like circles and lines going over the routes that these guys were running and it was tracking them throughout the play. On the side, you had all these kind of live stats and it had win probabilities moving up and down based on what happened during the play. And there was all kinds of random information. It was scrolling down at the bottom. Like it was really, really cool. So I definitely encourage you guys to check that kind of stuff out. I mean, you know, it's one thing if it completely detracts from the broadcast. Obviously, you want to watch the game, so you don't want to miss without the commentary and stuff like that. But this was really cool because it was essentially the main broadcast. It just had all these really cool stat overlays and different things like that. So definitely check that out this week uh, when you catch your Thursday night football. Um, to the people who threw the water, like, why Why are we throwing stuff? So Jimmy Haslam, it looks like someone threw a bottle of water at the owner of the Browns. Someone slapped Kyler Murray in the face. We've got a Bills offensive lineman swinging at people in the tunnel. Like shit is just getting crazy. But let's talk about the Browns situation for a second. So the owner of the Cleveland Browns is walking towards the tunnel and somebody throws what looks to be like a water bottle or some sort of bottle at him and the Browns have said they've identified the person and they're working with authorities and that, you know, they're going to ban him from the stadium, him or her. Uh, I think they said him, them, whatever. Um, like, ban? Like, listen, I, I get that people are saying like, oh, it's just a water bottle, but hear me out. If I'm sitting on my balcony at my house, if, I, if I'm in the city, right, and I'm throwing water bottles down onto people, the cops are going to get called, they're going to come up, and I might get charged with assault, brother. Like, what is banning do? Like, every time I hear that someone is banned from games, I'm like, listen, when I go to football games every single week, every single home game, I, I, I'm going to a football game, the security there that I've been through these same steps a hundred times for years and years and years, the third-party security that is hired at minimum wage to funnel people through the line, you think they have like some kind of CSI database that they're scanning faces as the people walk by and they're like, ah, no, you know you can't come in here. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, a ban is so stupid. It's so dumb. Like, you would have to be in a very prolific 
situation where you know you're like Lil Wayne or something trying to sneak into a game like like I don't even know how the average person is just gonna get banned and they're like oh you can't come like what I can't get a ticket from somebody else and like you're gonna stop me at the door like you're not gonna do shit so bands are stupid like they're really really dumb now if you want to charge somebody charge someone with the misdemeanors you know fucking assault like just like i don't know but like it is it is completely bullshit like if you're at a game and you're tossing things down onto the field like that's it get out of here don't ever fucking come back i don't want you here anyway but like for me i would trespass you i would trespass you from the actual place so that if somehow we do end up finding out that you're somehow on site then now like you've you've committed a crime. I mean, I'm not a legal expert, so I'm not going to get into the whole fucking thing. At me if I'm a dumbass talking about things incorrectly. But I just I don't understand it. And any, anybody who's doing that kind of nonsense, like get them out of here. I, I I don't want it. So I had the show, the show and loaded, ready to go. And then as usual, I speak with our content consigliere and. Chaz always gets me fired up. Chaz is a great guy, man, but he just fucking, he, he knows what to say. And someday, you know, I hope that we can get him in on some live spaces and we can have some good debates because him and I had one for the ages uh, this week. And a lot of it involved backup quarterbacks and different things like that. Listen, Chaz has a, a bold take. He thinks that Cooper Rush can be the next Kurt Warner story. And that's a possibility. Um... Me, not so much. But, having said that, we were having an interesting conversation about backup quarterbacks and how, you know, usually quarterbacks start to get hurt and everyone starts saying, okay, who's available? Can we trade for it? Et cetera, et cetera. But to Chaz's point, a lot of teams have said, well, you know, for now we're going to go with the guys that we have and, you know, that the backups in limited time have played well. But here's my argument to that. If you want to say Cooper Rush played well, sure. I'm not going to take that away from Cooper Rush. If you want to say that Joe Flacco played well, Joe Flacco did play well. But he's not a backup in the typical sense of like some second year guy coming off the bench who has like one NFL snap to his name. Like this is a guy who won a Super Bowl and granted... Joe Flacco is now a backup quarterback in the NFL for a reason, but it's not the same as, you know, having Cade McNown type caliber people as your backup quarterback. Like, it's not the same as having a Cooper Rush or a Mike White even. It's not the same situation having someone like Joe Flacco. And then you flip to Jimmy G. You can't even compare that. This is a guy who took your team to the Super Bowl, and took you to a championship game another year. So how can you compare Cooper Rush to Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, that's not the same. That's not the same. It's like the 49ers were looking around, and they're like, well, Trey Lance is out of the game. I know we got Jimmy here, but I don't know. Who can we get on the phone with? Like, there's got to be... Some guy who's played a couple of games in the NFL, like, it's not the same. And 
So I know Chaz likes to push my buttons and get me riled up before a show. But having said that, yes, we got some great play out of backups this week. But not ever, not all backups are created equally. I'll just say that and we'll leave it with that. But now that we've gone through week two and we're heading into week three, now we can start to look at the guys that are making names for themselves. And I know it's an early season and... You know, you don't want to overreact, but everything with context is admissible. So, with context, let's give you a couple of leaders around the NFL. So, let's start with the rushers right out of the gate. So, right now, here are your leading rushers through two weeks of the NFL season. Number five is Leonard Fournette, 192 yards on the season. Number four is DeAndre Swift. 200 yards on the season. Number three is Jonathan Taylor. No surprise there. 215 yards for the shoe. And number two is Nick Chubb. 228 yards. And I would do a lot of things, some legal and illegal, to get Nick Chubb on my fantasy team right about now. And number one, your leading rusher in the NFL right now through two weeks is Mr. Saquon Barkley, 236 rushing yards through two weeks of the NFL season. Now let's look at the wide receivers. So at number five, you have Justin Jefferson, 232 yards. Didn't have the best week on Monday night, but overall still number five through two weeks, 232 yards. Number four, Cooper Cup, our triple crown winner from last year, 236 yards this season. Number three, Jalen Waddell, 240 yards. Miami Dolphins showing up with a number three wide receiver. I know it's through two games. That's fine. Number two, Stefan Diggs. I mean, this guy, what can't he do? 270 yards through two games this season. And then we get to number one. It's another fucking Miami Dolphin. Tyree Kill, 284 yards. He is your leading wide receiver in the NFL right now through two weeks. You've got two Dolphins at one and three right now, which is going to give you a little bit of context as far as what the quarterback list is going to look like. So here's our NFL passing leaders through the first couple weeks. Justin Herbert, 613 yards through the first two weeks. At number four, you've got Josh Allen, 614 yards. Number three, Joe Flacco, 616 yards. I mean, if he keeps playing the way that he is playing, Zach Wilson, healthy or not healthy, I think Joe might be playing for a little while. At number two, Carson Wentz, the much maligned Carson Wentz, 650 yards passing through two weeks. If you are not targeting him on your waiver wires, not as your first pick, but if he's not in there, if you are if you see him laying around and you're not scooping him up, you're doing yourself a disservice. He should be stashed on your bench, absolutely. And your number one passer. In the NFL right now, with 739 yards to a tongue of Iloa. Tua is the number one passer in the NFL through two weeks. We're not, we're not saying the guys can throw for 8,000 yards, 
but you've got to like the start out of all 15 of these players that we just mentioned. It's a great start. So let's go game by game. Let's look at the games we have upcoming this week, and we'll do a little bit of recap and tell you what we like as far as betting, fantasy, all of the above. Now, we talked about Amazon Prime Thursday night. You want it, you got it. Pittsburgh Steelers, 1-1 one one at the Cleveland Browns, 1-1. One one. Big division matchup here. Now, the Browns are favored by four and a half in this one. And before I get into my bets, let me just tell you what I'm doing this week, which, again, if you belong to our Patreon, then you already know you get our bets before anybody else, and you see all our extra ones that we don't talk about in the show. But this week, I'm going very, very light on my singles because I have some bets that I really like, including this first one that we're going to talk about. Um, I have some parlays I really like, and then I got some sexy round robins going on. If you don't know what round robin is, you basically, let's say you pick out five teams that you really like, and whether you like the spread or you like them to win straight up, whatever it is, instead of just making one five-way parlay, you basically make 25 different bets. So you'll have 10 two-way parlays, 10 three-way parlays, um, and, and five four-way parlays or whatever. Um, it's, it's a really interesting concept. The returns can be pretty good while minimizing risk. Uh, so we're experimenting with that a little bit, and that's where we're going to put most of our money this, this week. Uh, however, there are some singles that I will still give you advice on what I would do if it were me. Now, on the Cleveland Browns game itself, I'm not taking the four and a half points that the Browns are favored by. However, the over is at 38 and a half, and I ran to grab this. I know that they're trying to tease us with such a low over, and they think that it's going to come in underneath. I don't, for a number of reasons. I mean, the Browns themselves are averaging 28 points a game, so that means I only need 10 out of the Steelers. And the way both of these defenses are playing, plus the fact that we already know Jadavian Clowney isn't going to be in there. There's some injuries on defense for both teams. Um, I think I think this hits the over 38 and a half easy. So that's that is one of my singles that I'm going in on, and I'm going heavy on the over at 38 and a half. But if you want to bet just the spread, the Browns are favored by four and a half. Now let's talk about the Steelers. So. They lost in New England, and you know a lot of people are starting to talk, starting to chirp in some of the groups about offensive play calling, about whether Kenny should get in there and things like that. I've shared my thoughts ad nauseum about rookie quarterbacks and things like that. Listen, right now, Mitch is the guy, right? So he went 21 of 33 last week, 168 yards is the real killer. One touchdown, one interception, and yes, the fans were calling for Kenny. But I mean this in the nicest possible way. The majority of fans are dumb. They're really dumb. And I can tell you a million examples of fans just not being happy in the moment and calling for somebody else, and then that other person sucks, and then what? You can't go back. Like, now what? So... I mean, Christ, I've seen the Patriots boo Tom Brady when he was still a Patriot because he was down 17 points 
at one point. Like, it's, it's, it's just bizarre. But having said that, you have to be really careful how you handle the Kenny Pickett situation because you don't want to put the put him in there too early. And if he's not ready, it can cause way more harm than it can good. I am sh- listen, I trust Coach T. Like when Mike thinks he's ready, he's going to be in there. Until then, it's it's Mitch's team. So we got to sit, we got to be patient and see how everything kind of plays out. But let's talk about Najee for a second. So Najee Harris had a decent game as far as production from a fantasy standpoint. He had 49 yards on the ground, 40 yards receiving. So that gets you eight there. If you're in a PPR, then you're going to get the extra five for his catches. So it's not a horrible day. We know that the volume is there, but we need to see more efficiency out of him. The Muth got loose. Four catches, 22 yards, and a touchdown. I'm glad he's on my fantasy team. Hopefully, he's on yours. So now, as the Steelers, you go to Cleveland, where the New York Jets just won. With all due respect to the Jets, Pittsburgh, you should be a better team than the Jets. I know the quarterback situation, but they had Joe Flacco. So, can you step up to the plate and handle the Cleveland Browns with Jacoby Brissett at the helm. Brissett last week was 22 of 27 for 229 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and the pick was on the last drive as they were trying to come back into the game that they royally fucked up. Uh, Nick Chubb, 17 carries, 87 yards, and three touchdowns. That is that is a sexy stat line. And somebody else who decided to join the party is Amari Cooper. Nine catches, 101 yards, and one touchdown. That's exactly what you brought him to Cleveland to do. And hopefully, he will continue to build on that moving forward. Um, 184 total rushing yards out of Cleveland. That's what we said before. While Deshaun's not there, you got to lean on that run game and lean on it heavy. Keep the ball away from the other team and just do what you do. So the Browns are going to try to do that. It'll be a very interesting matchup against the Steelers. As I mentioned, Clowney's going to miss the game with an ankle injury. I give the offensive advantage to Cleveland, but I give the defensive advantage to Pittsburgh. So that's why I'm not betting it. I think this will be an awesome matchup between division opponents who really hate the shit out of each other. It's going to be fun football for Thursday night. And then we flip to the Sunday games. So, first you've got the New Orleans Saints at 1-1 one one, taking on the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. Carolina's 0-2. They've yet to win a game. The Saints did not play well last week. And the Saints are favored on the road by three points, which tells you exactly what Vegas thinks of the Carolina Panthers. But let's start with the Saints. So, Latimer got fucking ejected. Another altercation uh, with Mike Evans. Jameis threw three interceptions. And, you know, what happened to all these people saying, oh, when he threw those 30 interceptions, that was before the LASIK. Like, he he was pretty much blind, but he got his eyes fixed now. So, like, all right, so what's the problem now? Is he just shitty or just an off day? Like, I I don't know. You You tell me. I'm just asking because I expected a lot out of Jameis this year. I think, uh... 
I was one of the most disappointed people out of anyone when he got hurt last year and then we didn't get to see the full Sean Payton experiment work its way out. But Jameis is going to need to have a bounce back game in a very big way. Kamara, if you have him in fantasy, you know was a scratch last week and Ingram was serviceable. 10 carries, 60 yards, obviously nothing that's probably going to win you your league. Um, but six yards a carry, that's that's nothing to complain about for the Saints. So I'm sure that if Kamara misses again, Ingram will continue to get work. Michael Thomas, six catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. You've got to like how Mike Thomas has started the season off. I mean... I had him on my do not draft list. I wanted no fucking part of him. And I hope he makes it through 17 games. I really hope that he does. It would be huge for him to make this kind of a comeback. Um, But let's not forget about Chris Olave, you know, the rookie there. Five catches, 80 yards. He's starting to find his groove a little bit. And I think that even Jarvis Landry is going to bounce back this week. He was pretty quiet last week. Um, but he's just too talented, and they're going to spread the ball around. So I think Landry can be someone if you absolutely need a wide receiver and you need to put someone in to pinch hit for you. Now let's talk about the Carolina Panthers, who have now lost nine games in a row. Baker was bad last week. 14 of 29, not even 50%, 145 yards, one touchdown, not going to get it done in most cases. CMC had 15 carries for 102 yards, so you like that he broke the century mark. DJ Moore led the wide receivers, three catches, 43 yards, one touchdown. Um, Panthers were two for 12 on third down. I mean, they just, they couldn't convert to save their lives. They lost two fumbles. It's just, Everywhere you look, you see dysfunction, and you don't see the type of competitive play that you expect out of a team that thinks they're going places. It's the best way that I can say it. So Carolina's really going to have to do something to avoid going 0-3. And I will say this. A lot of people don't realize that in all the years past, How many teams, you know, remember the year that uh, Aaron Rodgers was telling everyone, R-E-L-A-X, relax, because they started off the season bad. Remember last year when the Chiefs started off really bad and they led the league in turnovers and all kinds of stuff and they were like, yeah, we'll be fine. We're not worried about it. Remember way back when the Dolphins started 0-2 and then they came up with this thing called the fucking Wildcat that just lit the NFL on fire? Like, this is when you start to see. This is when you start to find out which teams that are 0-2, that are 1-1, which of these teams are going to dig deep and they're going to find a way to get better and to overcome and which teams are just going to hang their head and are going to say, fuck it, obviously we suck. So I'm really excited to see which of that first group is going to ascend and become a real competitive team this year. Now let's talk about two teams that are kind of in that realm. You've got the Houston Texans at 0-1-1 and the Bears at 1-1. So the Bears are favored by 2.5 points in this game 
And I don't like that, but I do like the under of 40 and a half. Both of these offenses are pretty much garbage. So 40 is tight. It's a very tight window at 42 or something. I would absolutely love it. But at 40 and a half, I think think we can get under the 40. I can see like a 17-14 game, something like that. So I'm going to get in on the under 40 and a half for the Houston uh, Texans-Chicago Bears game. But let's talk about Houston. So they lost a close one to the Broncos last week. They didn't put up very many points, um, and they wouldn't have even really needed that many. But Damian Pierce, all the motherfucking carries. 15 carries, 69 yards. Obviously, you know, you'd hope for a little bit better production. Um, But, you know, let's not sleep on that Denver Broncos defense that they were playing against, who are very good. What's important here is that Pierce has taken over the job. Burkhead had two fucking snaps. Like, that's it. That that project is over. And as we said all offseason, leading up into your fantasy drafts, Damian Pierce is going to be the guy. Now, am I telling you he's going to get Derrick Henry-type numbers, like 20, 2.5 points a game? No. But might he get you 15 points a game? Sure. Absolutely, I'm in. So, make sure that if you are in some league with a bunch of fucktards and Damian Pierce is floating around somewhere that you snatch his ass up with the quickness. Now, Davis Mills last week, 19 of 38, 177 yards, no TDs, no picks. Obviously, you need more than that out of your quarterback. Brandon Cooks, four catches for 54 yards. He's still a good flex option. I mean, what he does in the situations that he's put in, no matter who the quarterback is, he always seems to get his. So I'll say this. Brandon Cooks has a lower floor than most of the wide receivers that you're going to see out there. So definitely someone to not completely ignore. O.J. Howard, I thought would continue to kind of stay in the mix. He only had one catch for seven yards, but I do anticipate him ascending. So someone to definitely keep an eye on, put him on your watch list if he's not already snagged up on a roster or put him on your watch list anyway, and it'll notify you when somebody cuts him. Now on the Chicago side of the ball, man, fourth and inches and you call a shotgun. Like what the fuck, man? And especially just to have Fields run it Anyway, like, I don't understand. Listen, I don't get paid millions and millions of dollars to call these plays. But any asshole can tell you that Pete Carroll shouldn't have called a throw from the one-yard line with Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. Like, it's easy to second-guess. Like, I get it. But just, I will never, ever understand those plays. Like, why are you in shotgun in that situation to run that play? Now... As far as passing, Justin Fields was 7 for 11 for 70 yards passing. Now, if this was week one where it was all rain and it was just crazy bullshit, you'd just kind of chalk it up and be like, all right, that's a one-off. That's weird. Like when Mac Jones completed two passes and they won the game. Like, you know, you kind of know what it is. But that that wasn't the case. And 7 for 11, like... I mean, those are borderline Tim Tebow numbers. Like, that's just, you can't have that. You can't have that. So, 
the Bears gotta do something offensively. And last year they were atrocious too. But new coaching staff, new regime, you know, this is supposed to be a change. So let's see what happens. Um, You know, the run game seems to be there. And David Montgomery said, this is still my backfield. 15 carries, 122 yards on the ground. Defensively, you gave up 200 rushing yards, man. Like, you can't, you can't give that up. Because I tell you what, if you slip on Damian Pierce... I'm telling you, he could have a very, very big day. Now let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. 2-0, one of the six undefeated teams remaining. And they are heading to Indy to take on the Indianapolis Colts at 0-1-1. Now the Chiefs are favored by 7 in this one. I like the Chiefs. I'd, I'd love them better if they were at home, but... I like the Chiefs. If you can find it or buy it at six and a half, do it. Take the Chiefs by a touchdown. Now, Kansas City last week, you know, Mahomes was 24 of 35, 235 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and the W over the Chargers. Kelsey was your leading receiver, no shock there, but five catches for 51 yards isn't exactly a huge day, especially for him. CEH, eight carries, seven yards. Se- oh, no. I'm sorry. That should say 70-something. Um, my notes got smudged. I apologize. But he had 9.2 yards per carry. I know that. So we can do the quick math and figure it was like 78 yards or something like that. But it's good to see him having some fantasy relevance. Obviously... You always hate split backfields and and things like that, but sooner or later, one of these guys you feel like is going to take the majority of the touches. Now with Indy, I mean, fuck, man. Frank Wright has never won in Jacksonville, and that streak continued. Like, I don't know what it is. It's like the Colts in Jacksonville, the Patriots in Miami, like... Hot women in my life. Like, it just never seems to work out. Like, ever. In any of those situations. So, I don't know what kind of voodoo you do. Remind me of the babe, the babe with the power. I don't know what they're doing in Duval, but it worked. So, Indianapolis still has yet to get their first win of the season. Matt Ryan last week, 164 yards, no touchdowns, and three interceptions. He's also sacked five times. The Colts were also two of ten on third downs. Jonathan Taylor, nine carries, 54 yards. Meh. Not too impressive. So now, your reward is the Kansas City Chiefs coming to town. This is where, like I said, we're going to find out. Is this a team that has fight in it? Because last year, I saw a lot of fight in this team. I mean, I have loved for the last couple years what they've been doing on defense, one of the youngest defenses in the league and one of the cheapest defenses in the league that has more output and more production than anybody else. So who are the Colts going to be this year? We're going to find out this Sunday when they take on the Kansas City Chiefs. But let's talk about two teams we're going to find out a hell of a lot. 
about on Sunday. The Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins will square off in Miami. Both teams are 2-0. Both teams are undefeated. This will be the game to watch of the week. So you know I'm going to be there in person, right? You know this, right? Of course I'm going to be there. Of course I'm going to be there. So if you see us, come say hi. But Buffalo Bills are favored by five and a half points in this game. It was originally, I think, four points, and then it moved, and then it moved again, and last night's game happened, and now that line's going to keep moving. So I I hope it keeps moving because if it moves far enough, I might take some action on Miami. But for right now, gun to my head, Bill's money line. Like, that's where I'd go. But I looked at the over because I thought, man, this, this you're talking about two top five offenses right now. Over might be a play. But they got it at 54. I don't think I'm going to do it personally. If you want it, it's there. The over set at 54. Let's talk about the Bills first. The Bills beat down the Titans like they were an unarmed black man pulled over for a faulty taillight. The Tennessee Titans couldn't crawl away from that ass whooping. And there were plenty of people there to video it. The Bills were running up and down the field at will. This is a team that, man, I'll tell you what, when you talk about the places you don't want to play, in January, if you're heading into the playoffs, places you don't want to go into, like Kansas City, you don't want to be on the road in Kansas City, playoff football, you know where I don't want to be? In Buffalo. Come January, that stadium, those fans, like, that. that is fast becoming one of the most hostile environments to play in as a visiting team, and I mean... All due credit to the fans. And obviously, the franchise itself for putting together a winning football team, that that helps a lot. But Buffalo is scary good. Now, we know uh, Gabe Davis missed week two. You'll have to monitor that if he's on your fantasy team to see if he's ready to go. Um, Josh Allen. 26 of 38, 317 yards, four touchdowns and no picks last week. This is the guy who had the worst completion rating in the NFL the first two years he was in the NFL. Everyone was like, this? This guy? This is the guy you think is going to be your franchise quarterback? They go out. They get him a number one wide receiver. They change some things about how they run the offense. They put things around him, and what do you know? Now nobody with half a brain cell would argue that Josh Allen is not a franchise quarterback. I mean, the guy is already, in addition to being a prolific passer, he's already the number three leading uh, rushing touchdowns in Buffalo franchise history. And I know I didn't say that properly, but you understand what I'm saying. The most rushing touchdowns in franchise history, Josh Allen's number three. 
behind OJ Simpson. He's a quarterback. Like, so you add what he can do with his legs to what he can do through the air, and this is just a guy who will mess you up, man. Like Bruce used to say, bad things, man. Bad things. Speaking of bad things, how about Stefan Diggs? 12 catches, 148 yards, and three tutties. Man, if you had him on your fantasy team Monday night and you needed a W, he came through in the clutch. The Bills' defense has now forced seven turnovers, most in the NFL, and allowed only 17 points, second best in the NFL, through two games. This is the not-fucking-around crew. You hear me? And now they're heading down south, and we're going to have a game. This is going to be a good one. So let's talk about Miami for a second. Miami Dolphins. Boom. I love them. How about you? Tua Tungavailoa. 38. I'm sorry. 36 of 50. 469 yards. Six touchdowns. Two interceptions. And listen. If you're going to come at me with this stupid bullshit of they still had two interceptions. So did Josh Allen week one when they skewered the Rams. But nobody gave a shit. Nobody talked about it. So at this point in time, I'm not crowning anybody. I'm not like these idiots last season who had already made up their mind by week two over which rookie quarterbacks were going to be in the Hall of Fame. That's asinine. That's stupid. What I'm saying is that we saw exactly what Tua can be. We saw exactly what his potential is, what he's capable of, with pieces around him, with a coach who actually knows how to call a fucking offense, and everything that he needs to be successful. So there is no reason why he cannot be the fucking guy. And so at this point, if you're coming to me with this stupid shit of like, oh, you know, well, just it was really about this or just really like, no. That was about an entire team, quarterback included, digging deep and saying, fuck them. We can do this. We're still in it. We got this. And nowhere is that more summarized perfectly Then when Jalen Waddell said that on the last touchdown to win the game, Tua was in the huddle and he looked at the players and said, it's us or them. And Waddell said that shit hit him and he was ready to fucking go. Like, this dude led the dumbest fucking comeback I have ever seen in my life that it still doesn't feel real that it actually happened. And let's talk about his pass catchers. Tyreek Hill, 11 catches for 190 yards and two touchdowns. Jalen Waddell, also 11 catches, 171 yards and two touchdowns. Mike Gusecki, even with a horrible gritty, touchdown. Like, and it amazes me people saying, oh, well, you know, 
Tyreek was so wide open. Like, really? You're right. On a lot of those, he was. But why didn't we make those excuses for Patrick Mahomes? Why not? Why don't we make excuses when Jamar Chase or anybody else breaks wide and nobody's cut? Well, just like, oh, that's so good. And, ah, Burrow's amazing. Ah. And, like, I want to be very clear. I am not throwing shade at any other quarterback because those people are all great. They're elite. But what I'm saying is it's very, very convenient that we continue to give praise. I, I was watching a game the other day. I won't say which game. I won't say which quarterback. But the quarterback threw an incomplete pass. It was high, and it was outside, and it was off the wide receiver. He couldn't catch it. But the announcer said, man, what what a great pass. It was like a, I don't know, 18-yard out route. The announcer said, what a great pass, man. He is just such a great quarterback. It's unfortunate his wide receiver didn't come down with that. It was a shitty pass. But because you love this guy, he can do no wrong. Meanwhile, you get a quarterback in the worst fucking situation ever. Don't even get me started. If you don't know, then you don't know. But guy starts to do some good well you know he's he's got Tyree Kill and you know the, the, the defense fucked up on the other side like man just eat my ass I I'm not even sorry like I just like if you're just that much of a hater then just miss me with that bullshit so congrats to Tua Tyreek Waddle Gasecki all these boys for doing it from being down 21 in the fourth quarter And to give you context, in the last 10 years, teams down by 21 points in the fourth quarter were 0 and 711. There were 711 games in that situation, and nobody did it. Nobody came back and won. So, miss me with that shit like it's that easy. But the Dolphins and the Bills, man, they're going to have a hell of a fucking game. I'm so excited I'm going to be there. Ready to go. It's going to be fantastic. Let's move on to another game that won't be as hype, but it's still football. Detroit Lions. 1-1 one one at the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are favored by 6 in this one. I won't touch it, man. Kirk broke my heart. Like, I'm a Kirk fucking truther, but that boy broke my heart. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll take Vikings money line, and then... I have to look up the over. I didn't write it down before the show. Um, But you've got two bottom five defenses. So if the over is within reason, that's something you want to look at as well. The Lions. The Detroit Lions have now scored scored 35-plus points in three straight games for the first time since 1952. This is... I know it's premature, but... This doesn't feel like the same old Lions. It, it just doesn't feel like it is. So defensively, the Lions had five sacks. Hutch got three himself. Jared Goff was 20 of 34, 256 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. But 191 rushing yards. That's a total of 372 rushing yards in two games from the Detroit Lions. They got Barry Sanders back there? What the fuck is going on? When did DeAndre Swift 
and AJ Dillon wake up and be like, yeah, yeah, no, that's us. We got it. We the guys. Like, and if you watched Hard Knocks, you saw it. You saw the coaches talking. It's there. We know it since it's there. They just got to, ugh. They got to take that step and be that guy because we know that it's there. Well, they fucking unlocked it. I don't know what they did, but they're balling in Detroit. So now they head to Minnesota, and they're not going to do it without Amon Ross St. Brown. 116 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Oh, and 68 yards on the ground. Another weapon that just... Man, I don't know where these guys came from, but the Lions are looking good. And you know what the best part is? Only one penalty for five yards. Fundamental football. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I want to see out of a Dan Campbell-led team. And on the other side of the ball, I already mentioned it, man. What the fuck happens to Kirk on Monday Night Football? Three interceptions, my guy. Three interceptions. So he's now 2-10 and ten on Monday Night Football. He was 0-8 before he finally won his like last two prior to Monday night. And we're like, oh, maybe he reversed the curse. It's no, not even close. So I don't know what that is. I'm going to pretend that that's the outlier because I'm a huge Kirk truther. And I think he's going to rebound. I think he's going to throw for like four touchdowns in this game. It's going to be great. Hopefully, Dalvin Cook will be the recipient of one or two of those. He had six carries for 17 yards last week. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? 17 yards for Dalvin Cook? Nah, fam. Like, I, I, all due respect to the Eagles' defense, they got some dogs now. But, like, 17 yards, Dalvin Cook? Like, nah, we can do better than that. So... Looking for a big bounce back game out of Minnesota. I like money line, but six points feels like way too much, especially the way the Lions have been playing. I'll be excited to see which one of these teams heads to 2-1 and one and wants to prove that they're here to compete this season. Next game we have up is a good one. This is a really good one. So you got the Baltimore Ravens at 1-1 one and, one and the New England Patriots at 1-1. One and one. Both of these teams should be competing for playoffs down the stretch. So this is an important game, especially when you talk about seeding and the way things fall. You just know that things are going to come back to this game. The Ravens are favored on the road by three points in the house that Bill built, where Robert Kraft just got his 500th win as an owner. They say, nah, you're an underdog at home. What is happening in this world? The Patriots are an underdog at home. And I really want to take the plus three for the Patriots side. But I haven't yet. I told you I'm laying off a lot of the singles this week. If you want it, it's there. Let's talk about the Ravens. Last week, man, we talked about how great the Miami Dolphins were in that comeback. But you also have to look at the flip side of that of what were the Ravens doing. So you had two critical fourth down conversions that didn't work out. One that was a fumble at the goal line. Dolphins get the ball, and the other is late in the game where the game feels like it's being put out of reach, and the Ravens are going to go for it on fourth down because it just feels like one of those fuck you situations. We're going to put this game completely out of reach and, and end this, and it doesn't go that way. Now, again, I have talked about it's very hard to critique 
John because we love him when he makes those aggressive calls and they work. So it's hard to then play hypocrite when they don't work out. But you have to go back to those plays and say, you know, obviously, again, it's easy in 2020 vision, but was that the best move to make at that time? And, you know, I'm... I'm going to say that maybe it was. The way your team was playing, the way their team was playing, you probably thought that it was the best move. Obviously, in hindsight, it wasn't. But Lamar Jackson passed Michael Vick with his 11th 100-yard rushing game and 1,000 yards of offense between Miami and Baltimore. Insane. No interceptions, no fumbles, only one penalty for five yards, 155 rushing yards out of Lamar. Oh, and by the way, he was 21 of 29 for 318 yards and three passing touchdowns. Like, I'm sorry, Lamar had 119 rushing yards. The other 30 were added by various backs. But I mean, dude balled out. Ravens averaged 8.8 yards per play, and they lost the game. Like, Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrew, both over 100 yards and a touchdown. And how about Duvernay starting the game off to the house, to the hizzy on the kickoff. Like, they played in an amazing game, and Lamar just balled out, and all of it is lost in the fact that they gave away the game at the end. Again, it's easy to second guess, but the one thing you do not have to second guess is Lamar is coming to tax that ass. He will be paid and then some. And if you try to franchise tag him, ooh, that's going to send a bad, bad message, man. It's a bad, bad message. I don't know... What he's asking for, I know he's representing himself, but you can do things in a lot of smart ways, man, to get that dude under contract. There's If Lamar Jackson leaves that building, especially if it's a bad breakup, that will be very damning for the franchise, I think, for a long, long time. So, But we're going to put positive vibes out there because I want to think that no one can be that stupid to not get that deal done. Then again, I thought no one could be that stupid to let him get to this point in his contract before you get it done. So that's a topic for another time. But how about Marcus William? Two picks, could have had three. And, you know, I know that the defense didn't play exceptional, especially down down the stretch. We do have to talk about the defense because the Ravens have now given up 927 yards in two weeks, which is the worst in the NFL. Um, There were some guys out there that, damn, they were fighting their ass off. But as a team, it just, it's got to be better, man. Baltimore Ravens, like, you want to take it to New England in their house? You need some sort of defense. Like, to give up the most yards in the NFL. Like, you just, you can't have that. You can't have that. Let's talk about New England. So they eked out a win over Pittsburgh last week. Again, I said it. I took New England. I didn't see Bill going 0-2. It's hard to see, you know, Mike losing, but at the same time, 
Bill just doesn't go 0-2. It just doesn't happen. Mac Jones, 252 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, and the one touchdown was a very nice pass down to Aguilar for the touchdown, which he had six catches for 110 yards and one touchdown. Damian Harris, 15 carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown. The team had 124 total rush yards, I believe. And this is what they do. You know, New England isn't excellent at anything right now. But they are very good at everything, if you feel me. So they're going to play mistake-free football. They're going to try to keep it out of Lamar's hands as, as often as possible. And I think New England has a shot to come away with this one. But it's it's going to be a very, very good game. And I'm disappointed that I will miss this game because I will be at another one. Um, but I'm sure the replay will be fantastic on NFL+. Plus. But let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. So 0-2, man. You in the Super Bowl. Now you're 0-2. And again, I don't want to overreact. Again, when you're a good team... When you have everything you need, you'll find a way. You'll start to string some wins together and you'll figure it out. But 0-2 is not where you want to be sitting in this division. Especially when you look at down the road at some point, Deshaun Watson is coming back for the Browns. Does Kenny Pickett get in for the Steelers and start playing very well? Like, you don't know how it's going to play out. So, to be 0-2, it's not... Not the greatest look. And talking about not an ideal start, like the Bengals have given up six sacks last week. And and they had seven penalties, which didn't help either. But Burrow has now been sacked more than the entire AFC North combined. He's been sacked 13 times in two weeks. That's just, that's ridiculous. This was supposed to be the one thing that you were fixing. This was the one thing where it's like, all right, listen, we were almost there, but what happened in the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, Joe Burrow was running for his life every fucking play. So he, we're back in that mode again. So Joe Burrow is 24 of 36, which is very accurate, but 199 yards, doesn't get it done a lot of days. One touchdown, no picks. And he could have done so much more if he had room to breathe. Joe Mixon, 19 carries. You love to see the volume. You love to see the volume. 57 yards. You know, again, you, you'd hope with 19 carries he'd, he'd break a few. But you love to see the carries. Don't bail on Mixon. Very solid running back one. T. Higgins. He showed out. He was the leading receiver. Six catches, 71 yards, one touchdown. Got into the end zone for his fantasy owners. And now you're heading to New York to take on the Jets. I mean, if you go 0-3 after going against Mitch Trubisky, Cooper Rush, and Joe Flacco, Zach Taylor's seat's going to get very warm very, very quick. That cannot happen, which is why I'm taking the Bengals by five in this game. Bengals are favored by five. And, and listen... I am so excited for New York with what Sal is doing and that comeback last week, and that's amazing. Jacoby Brissett was on the other side of the football field, though, so, like, you know, let's let's temper it. You won one game. But I'm excited for New York, but I think the desperation 
out of the Bengals has to be so much more intense than what the New York Jets are going to feel this week at home. So Joe Flacco last week, though, credit where credit's due. 307 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. You're down 13 points with a minute 55 left. Because of a missed extra point, you end up down 13. And then you get the touchdown. You get the onside kick. You get the next touchdown. I mean, you can't write these scripts, man. And good for Joe, you know? And you look at Hall and Carter. They both had seven carries each. We continue to monitor that split there. It doesn't seem like anybody's really running away with that. But Hall had 50 uh, receiving yards and a touchdown. So that's that's good to see the usage out of him in that way. But I want to talk about a guy who should be at the top of your waiver wire targets if he's not already on a team. And I've told you all season, I don't trust the Jets offense. I don't trust it. Don't have these guys on your roster unless you're in a 12-14 man very deep, very deep league. But Garrett Wilson, eight catches, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. Garrett Wilson is here. He's not going anywhere. He has 22 targets in two weeks. And add. Add to cart. Add to cart. Put Garrett, Garrett Wilson on your team and make sure that he's not the guy that somebody else picked up in your league and won their championship because they stole him in week three. While we're talking about wide receivers, Corey Davis, only two catches, but 83 yards, one touchdown. The Jets allowed 184 rushing yards last week and yet somehow beat the Browns under the most ridiculous of situations. If they give up 184 yards to Joe Mixon, they're not going to get that same opportunity because Joe Burrow is not Jacoby Brissett and they will put the points on the board and they will do what they need to do. So the Jets need to stay in this game and not let the Bengals start off too fast. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen, which is why I'm going to roll with the Bengals minus five. Now, let's talk about two teams who ain't done shit. The Las Vegas Raiders and the Tennessee Titans are both 0-2 to start the season. The Tennessee Titans were the number one seed last year, and the Las Vegas Raiders, who made the playoffs, and added Devontae Adams, and we thought we're going to have a lot of success, especially with Josh McDaniel stepping in, also find themselves 0-2. So, the Raiders lost in the worst way last week to Arizona in overtime. And the only people who should be more embarrassed than the Las Vegas Raiders right now are the Browns and anyone who has a shared Facebook account with their significant other. Listen, we get it. You cheated. Okay? Maybe the Raiders should have cheated themselves last week because... Anything would have been better than losing the way that they did. Between letting Arizona climb back into the game, get the scores, Kyler Murray running around for what feels like five minutes, and then getting two-point conversions, just walking into the end zone. Just completely ridiculous. And Devontae Adams, two catches for 12 yards. I know one was a touchdown, but what the fuck, man? Like, 
This cannot be the game plan. Mac Hollins is your leading wide receiver? All respect to Mac Hollins. He's a dog, man. And he's done some great things, you know, in the past. But Devontae Adams is on your team. And Mac Hollins is your leading wide receiver. And don't tell me, well, yeah, you know, they double Devontae. So, you know, Mac Hollins got more of the way. Devontae had two catches for 12 yards. Do not tell me that that's all Derek Carr could get to him. That is, that is not an acceptable answer. It was nice and very acceptable to see Josh Jacobs get 19 carries. But again, it just goes to show no lead is safe. Raiders were up 20-0 at the half, and it wasn't enough. Derek Carr, 25-39, of 39, 252 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. It wasn't enough. Got too conservative, too quick, couldn't stop anybody on defense, which stop me if that sounds familiar as a Raiders fan. So now you head to Tennessee. Two desperate teams that seasons, I don't want to say the season's on the line, but you go 0-3, my friend. That is a hard, hard ditch to climb your way out of. So the Titans are going to try. They learned right out of the gate last week that penetration sometimes just isn't enough. They would get in the backfield, but they didn't wrap up. And from there, the Bills just put on a show, and it was embarrassing. The Titans were fumbling punts multiple times. They were I mean, it was one of those things where it got so bad that you felt like the wind and the air was against you. Like everything just bounced in Buffalo's way. There were no lucky breaks that you got. It was just it was all Buffalo the entire time. And the I couldn't I couldn't figure it out cuz like the Titans look like Dookie and I wasn't sure are the Titans this bad or are the Bills this good because yes it could be a little bit of both but it has to be one more than the other and I'm still not sure which one it was offensively listen the Titans lost 5 of their top 6 receivers from 2021 and now Tannehill's like fuck it somebody's out there somewhere but, man, unless Derrick Henry immediately returns to form, Titans offense is going to be struggling. And that's why I, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe they let A.J. Brown get out of there. I just, I couldn't believe it. They let Corey Davis go to the Jets the year before, and then A.J., like, who, who the fuck you think you are? The Patriots? Like, yeah, we don't care. We'll just replace you with some other wide receiver. Probably a little white guy and he'll get a thousand yards. Doesn't matter. Like, who do you think you are to let that kind of talent walk out of the door? So, Raiders and Titans, two teams that I expected to be very good this year, are both very not so far. And we're going to see what happens. Raiders are favored by two points. I'm not taking the action. It's going to be an emotional game and uh, we'll see who comes out on top. But let's talk about another undefeated team. As everyone expected, out of the NFC East, which has two of them, the Philadelphia Eagles are sitting at 2-0, and and they will head to Washington to take on the Commanders, who are 1-1. Now, the Eagles are favored by 7 in this one, and I like the Eagles to win, even on the road, I get it, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy the Commanders at plus 7.5. I think the Commanders can get within a touchdown. Maybe it's garbage time. Maybe it's late. 
But the way that Wentz is playing right now, I think it can happen. So let's talk about the Eagles. Hurts is that dude. He is absolutely that dude. Last week, 26 of 31, 333 yards, one touchdown, one pick off of a tipped pass. It happens. Sanders actually out-carried Hurts 17 carries for 80 yards. That's what I'm talking about, fellas. This is what we need to do because guess what? When your star quarterback isn't also your leading rusher, then he can breathe more and has more stamina and energy to make the runs when he actually needs to. And you have other players who are very talented who can help shoulder the load. I don't even have Sanders on my fantasy team this year just because I know what the situation is there. But they need to repeat more of that same formula if they are going to continue to have success. And one place they're having success is on defense. Darius Slay was incredible. He had two interceptions, and I mean, he was in Justin Jefferson's hip pocket all night. It was like an episode of Scared Straight or something. It was like Slay came to Justin Jefferson and said, you hold on to my pocket. You my bitch now. You stay and you hold on to my pocket everywhere I go. And I might sell you for a pack of cigarettes. Like, he was blanketing this man everywhere. The two were never separated the entire game. And it was an amazing game by Darius Slight. The, and that's not to leave out other players on the defense. Um, but Slay was just playing outside of his mind. Let's talk about Washington for a second. Wentz last week was 30 of 46, 337 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. Curtis Samuel and Scary Terry both had over 75 yards. Yes, Antonio Gibson had a slow day, but the carries are there, and he did find the end zone, so he got you your points if you needed them. The defense, the defense, though, gave up 425 yards. What is we doing? What are we doing? 425 yards? Like, this, like, not that long ago, this was the number one pass defense in the NFL. Like, this was a, like, people don't realize how good that front seven was in Washington. Now you're giving up 425, including 191 on the ground? Nah, fam. Like, gotta be better. Gotta be better. So I don't expect the Washington defense to be much better. I think the Eagles are going to eat. But I think Wentz is going to be just airing it up all night until he eventually gets within seven points of the Eagles. So that's why I like the Commanders at plus seven and a half. Let's talk about some of my favorite people. Duval! Jacksonville Jaguars, one and one. They're taking on the Los Angeles Chargers, also 1-1. One and, one. and the Chargers are favored by 7 points in this game. And this one I'm going to sneak down to 6.5. If you find it or you can buy it at 6.5, grab it at 6.5. I like the Chargers by a touchdown. Um, but let's talk about Jacksonville for a second, right? We've been waiting to see it out of Trevor Lawrence. Everything that we saw in college, we want to see him start to take some steps. 25 of 30, 235 yards Two touchdowns, no picks, clean game, great game. Lawrence was poised. He was accurate. Everything you want to see out of that young man. Robinson, 
What it do, baby? 23 carries. Love the volume. 64 yards. Mm, not so much. 2.8 yards per carry isn't going to get it done. Not on my fantasy team. We got high standards. High standards. He did get into the end zone, though, so, you know, that that helps a little bit. But they got to be more effective at running the ball. Christian Kirk, again, said, yo, run me my check. I'm worth the money, baby. Six catches, 78 yards, two touchdowns and now in the first two games christian kirk has 12 catches for 195 yards and two touchdowns to me that don't sound like a man who's getting overpaid i'm just saying just putting it out there the o-line kept trevor lawrence clean no sacks on the defensive side of the ball saxonville got five sacks of their own they got three interceptions and they got the shutout Great day from both sides of the ball. It's so cliche to say, oh, we got contributions from everybody. Like, no, it really was that type of game. So hats off to Jags and Duval for getting it done against division rival Colts. But now you're traveling all the way out to the West Coast. Now you're in a different world. Taking on the LA Chargers. And, yep, Chargers fell short last week to the Kansas City Chiefs. And Herbert broke his back. Spinal. We have to monitor that, but all signs point to he's going to tough it out and he'll be able to go. But what catches me is I know you've seen the memes. The doctor that's taking care of Justin Herbert is the same dude that's responsible for Justin Herbert actually being the quarterback of the Chargers right now. For those who don't remember, Tyrod Taylor was the starting quarterback of the Chargers. Herbert was a rookie. He was working his way up the depth chart. And Tyrod Taylor got stabbed in the lung by a doctor. Allegedly. No, know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden they go, uh, you gotta go in the game. And the rest is history. That same doctor, who is now being sued by Tyrod Taylor, is the guy who's taking care of fucking Justin Herbert. Are we serious? How is this real life? How is this real life? Speaking of how is this real life, Austin Eckler has 75 rushing yards in two games on 28 carries. What is going on? Only good thing to happen is that we knew Mike Williams was going to ball out. Keenan Allen out of lineup. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Eight catches, 113 yards, and one touchdown. You love to see it. How many will he have this week? We will have to see. But I have to feel. I have to feel that. that Eckler's got, he's, he's got a ball this week. Like, you got to. You're at home. It's week three, homie. Like, it's, it's time. Go, Herbie, go. Like, it's, it's, it's time. Put it on him. So, I like the Chargers by seven. And let's talk about another L.A. team. The L.A. Rams are taking on the Arizona Cardinals out in the desert. Both teams are 1-1. One one. NFC West matchup. You know it's going to be a tough game. The Rams are favored on the road by 3.5 points in this one. And I went back and forth, but I ended up uh, taking the 3.5 uh, for the Rams. Uh, I'll lay the 3.5, and, a half and uh, I think I think the Rams get this done. But... 
The Rams worry me, man. You know, they were up 28-3 to on the Falcons, which, yes, is ironic, and that's not last on me. You allow a 24-3 to run in the second half. As the Rams, and defense is supposed to be something you're good at. Akers got five more touches than Henderson, so now we're starting to see a little bit of a shakeup there. But Henderson was still more productive, and he got the touchdown. Now, obviously, the Rams don't give a shit about that. They just they want the points, they want the yards. But fantasy-wise, just trying to provide y'all with some information. Now, Cup and Higby were great. Cup had 11 catches, 108 yards, two touchdowns. Higby had seven for 71. Matthew Stafford. This is where it's tough, man. 27 of 36. That's a very accurate day. It's a great day. 272 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Like, you didn't you didn't have that many incomplete passes. It's like a third of your incomplete passes are, are interceptions. Like, that's, you, you know, but it's... It's Matt. You know he's going to live by the sword, die by the sword. He's he's going to do some things. But six combined turnovers between the two teams in that game. Just very sloppy play. And L.A. was lucky that it didn't go worse than it did. But talking about someone who took advantage of some sloppy play, let's talk about... Never mind. I'm not going to go there. I, 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 can, I can feel my spidey tenses of, of Chaz... Our, our content consigliere just like cringing already as I say what I was about to say. But we're, we're going to move on. But let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals who did take advantage of some poor play when they took on the Raiders. So they basically tried to give that game away. I mean, horrible clock management, horrible like coaching decisions and just like how do you have a delay of game on a two-point conversion and then Fortunately, they still converted it. But, like, that would have been... If they didn't make that, that's all anybody would talk about all week. Is how? How were you not... You know, you see these teams, you see these guys get in the huddle, and you even after a timeout, and they maybe took the timeout, and then they're still not ready. And it's like, what is happening? It's just like, these are the kind of things where we wonder every year, why do the Cardinals typically start off so hot, they go... 8-0 or they go 7-2 and to start the season or whatever it is and then they shit the bed the rest of the season and end up not doing anything like it's these kinds of things in addition let's look at the defense the Cardinals have allowed 67 points through two weeks of the season which is the worst in the NFL that's that's not going to get you to the playoffs sure as shit that's 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 recipe for disaster. So I don't know who I really trust in that division, but if I had to pick someone, it's going to be the Rams. So that's why I like them by three and a half points. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Also 0-2, winless, trying to get off the schneid. They're headed to Seattle, opposite coast. Seattle's favored at home by two. I like Seattle by the two. You're West Coast facing an East Coast team. You're at home, and I, I think they can get this done by at least a field goal. So, Atlanta. Why did Tyler Algier have 10 carries and Cordero Patterson had 10 carries? The fuck was that, Ray? Like, what, what is what is that? Like, I get so excited after I draft Patterson 
And I know, uh, here it is. This is going to be that guy again. Everyone should have seen him coming from last year. Like, this is what it is. They got a beast back there. And then Tyler Algier gets 10 carries. Like, why? Why? I don't know. Having said that, Drake London, eight catches, 86 yards, one touchdown. Good for the young man. Nice to see him coming along. Kyle Pitts, on the other hand, two catches for 19 yards. Not going to get it done in the fantasy world. That is not going to help us win games. But from the Falcons' perspective, it was the three turnovers that they had that really did the Falcons in, and that's why they didn't come up on top last week. Now you have to take on the Seattle Seahawks, where Geno Smith has the highest completion percentage in the NFL. And I know they didn't have a good game last week, but I still believe in Geno. I think that they're going to surprise some people. And Rashad Penny, let's go, baby. Let's let's get this back on track. I know that Kenneth Walker now is coming off that back injury and they're trying to work him in and stuff. Nah, Penny, this is your backfield, all right? You, you put that fucking foot down and you say, no, this is my backfield. You come take it from me. And I I know what, again, I know what Rashad Penny is capable of, man. This guy was averaging seven yards a carry, man, like at, at a clip. Like he, he ended the year on such a tear that it was just like, how is this guy not pushed into your top 10 fantasy running backs? And then you see shit like this where he's not getting the opportunities. So hopefully... They get back to business and, and they handle theirs. But I like the Seahawks in this one by the two points. Now, here's a fun one for us. Green Bay Packers, one and one, heading down to South Florida. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, undefeated at 2-0. and I know it hasn't been pretty, but they are 2-0. and So let's talk about Green Bay. Rodgers has never been 0-2 in his life, and he wasn't about to start last week against the fucking Bears, all due respect, Chicago, but we know. We know what it is. So, Lazard in his first game back, uh, he found the end zone. That was great if you have him on your fantasy team, like I do. Uh, Aaron Jones, 170 all-purpose yards, two touchdowns. Let's go. He only had eight touches in week one. And he more than made up for it week two. So hopefully you had the confidence, you rolled with him, you stuck with him. Sammy Watkins, three catches for 93 yards. That's a nice how do you do. And now the Packers are going to have to go up against Tom Brady, who I have a lot of questions about at this point. But we'll save that for a live space or another show. Mike Evans getting ejected did not help my fantasy team last week, and now he's suspended for one game. He is appealing. I give him almost no shot of getting that appeal heard, but Mazel tov, I wish him the best of luck. The Bucks have only allowed 13 points this season. Not last week. This season, the Buccaneers defense has allowed 13 points, which makes things a lot easier on Tom Brady. Leonard forget forget. Leonard Fournette is getting like 80 carries a game, so you better not forget to put his ass in your lineup um because he may have just an incredible year this year at the rate that they're going and you can kind of start to see the game plan how Tampa Bay is starting to scheme things up. 
So if you can get Leonard Fournette on your team, if you can trade for him, if you can do something, I would I would go after him within reason. Obviously, don't trade Nick Chubb for Leonard Fournette. Like you, you understand what I'm saying. But if you can make a reasonable deal and you can get Leonard Fournette, I would say go get him. Now Green Bay is the underdog in this one, and Tampa Bay is favored by two points at home. I actually like Green Bay plus the two. I think Green Bay could pull this out, at the very least make it very close, um, but I like Green Bay plus the two points. And then that brings us to our Sunday night game, the San Francisco 49ers, 1-1, one and one, taking on the Denver Broncos, also at 1-1 one and one for Sunday night football. Now listen, John Lynch is fast becoming Mr. Sonny Weaver Jr. And Jimmy G is most definitely Brian Drew. Because let's look at this situation. John Lynch trades three number ones to go up and get somebody just to end up with the guy that he had all along. So Trey Lance is now not the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. And you have to have long-term questions now because this is another year where we won't know what they have in Trey Lance. Meanwhile, if Jimmy G goes all Brian Drew, takes you back to the playoffs again, makes a deep run, how? How can you hand that team back to an untested, let's call it what it is, rookie? Because he doesn't have enough meaningful snaps that we can actually call him a third or fourth year player at that point. Like, that's not what it is. So... San Francisco, I mean, in a way, they kind of come off looking like geniuses accidentally because they were like, no, we'll keep Jimmy G here as insurance, wink, wink. And then, oh, look, they needed him. So I, for one, believe that had Trey played any sort of competent level of football and stayed healthy, that they would have moved Jimmy before the deadline. It would have happened. It would have been a done deal, especially after the renegotiating. And... You know, anyone who's going to say, oh, but he has a no trade clause. Yes, that's that's what he did. In order to help them out and take the discount and do them a solid, he wants to make sure that he has final say on where he gets traded. Russell Wilson had a no trade clause. He still got traded. Like, the things can still happen, but it just puts the power in the player's hands instead of the organization. So, but all that is out the window now. Jimmy G is back in the saddle, just like Brian Drew and... We will see what the rest of this season looks like. It is going to be very, very fascinating. Trey Lance had his surgery for two ankle injuries, um, a fracture and a ligament disruption, and now it's just going to be rehab for him. And it's just, it really sucks to see, man. Like, you know, to be that young and to be lauded as someone that is worth a team trading up and getting you and you're going to be the future and everything... And then just have that happen where this is obviously going to disrupt his career. I'm not saying that the guy's done, he's not going to play football again, or he can't still be successful in the NFL. But you look at the uphill climb that he's going to have to have at this point, and it is going to be a tough road to hoe for sure. Now let's talk about the Denver Broncos on the other side of the field. Russ last week, I don't know who that was, but it did not look like Russell Wilson. 14 passes 
14 completions, 31 attempts, not even half his passes complete, and 219 yards, one touchdown, one pick. I mean, what was that? You were... Uh, you were happy to see, I guess, the 149 rushing yards that the team had. Javante Williams, 15 carries for 75. Melvin Gordon, 10 carries, 47 yards. But overall, the team did not look good, and they could barely beat the Houston Texans. Again, I said with all due respect, but you're still the Houston Texans. So... You know, Sutton had seven catches for 122 yards last week, and now Judy has a shoulder injury, and we have to monitor that and see how that plays into the offense overall. But this is going to be a good game, and Denver has the defense that they can definitely make things uneasy for the 49ers, but the 49ers have a defense too. I think they've allowed the fewest yards in the NFL and maybe the third fewest points or something like that, like, 49ers have a defense, man. Like, don't don't sleep on it. So this will be a tough game. The 49ers are favored by one and a half on the road. I'm not touching it. It's uh, it's a good line. It's it's a crazy game. It's going to be fun to watch on Sunday night, but no action for me. And that brings us to Monday night. Dallas Cowboys, 1-1 one one at the 2-0 undefeated New York Giants, your second undefeated NFC East team, just like everyone expected. This will be a fun one. You just know that this one's going to end up in memes and hilarious takes and all kinds of shit, because that's what the NFC East gives us, for better or for worse. So Cooper Rush, right out of the gate. Last week, 19-31, 235 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, clean game from him he did everything they asked of him they got the w that's all that matters zeke 15 carries 53 yards not too bad but obviously not what you want to see from a guy that you probably drafted pretty high in fantasy noah brown though five catches 91 yards one touchdown he's definitely someone to have on your watch list cd lamb seven catches for 75 yards and, you know, don't give up on CD. I know it's easy. I know you're like, ah, Cooper Rush, uh, you know. But, A, at some point, Dak is going to be back. Even if that means no playoffs for the Cowboys, it could mean playoffs for you in fantasy. And if he's heaving them down the field to CD Lamb, he's a guy that you'll want on your team down the road. Um, but for now, it, it might be tough pickings for CD for a little while. Let's talk about the Giants, though. First time in six years that the New York Giants have started 2-0. Daniel Jones, 22 of 34, 176 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Saquon Barkley, 21 carries. You love to see the volume out of Saquon and 72 yards as a result. Richie James, 5 for 51 Not a ton of offense, um, but the defense and the special teams definitely saved the day for the Giants, and now they're going to try to go 3-0 against a division opponent. This is going to be a hell of a game. Giants are favored by 2.5 points at home, which is basically the 3 that you get for being the home team. I am not betting this. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I can't wait, but I'm not putting any action on it. But let's bring you into the corner. You know about the corner, right? Not the, not the bad corner you go when you're in trouble. The good corner. This is Chaz's corner. This is our content consigliere, Chaz. This is his corner, and this is where we tell you about the parlays and the things that we have going on. Now, 
I told you guys about the over on the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game, 38.5. That's usually something I reserve for uh, our subscribers. But it was early. It was out there. I got so excited. And, you know, like I said, we crossed 10K this week. We're trying to, you know, just do some stuff for the people. So that's your over that I like. Again, Cleveland scoring 28 by themselves. The defenses aren't stopping anyone. I think 23 to 17 type score gets you 40 points. So I like the over on the 38 and a half. Now, let's talk about the parlays. Now, if you're new to parlays, if you don't understand how parlays work, I mean, you may understand the basics that, yes, you have to win all of the bets in order to win the bet. If, if all the teams don't win or all the things you pick don't win, then you don't get it. But your odds are better to get a better payout. However, this is not something that you throw big money on. Like, I mean, unless you're Jeff Bezos and, and you got it like that. Things to throw big money on is when we say, okay, I like the over for Justin Herbert on touchdowns. Hey, we like the over on this game. You know, hey, here's, here's a lock that we have. This is the money line. This is this is what we think. That's, that's where you throw your big money. Your parlays is where you take some extra dollars. You know, some people like to play the lotto every week. They put five, ten bucks on the lotto. They say, fuck it, let it ride. You know, so that's kind of kind of the same thing with your parlays. This is just like, this is just like some extra money, right? But when you hit, it's, it's always tremendous value, depending on where the parlays are. So for those people that, you know, might bet a little bit more um, and they're looking for a good value somewhere, this is our four-way parlay that we have for you this week. So this one's at plus 285, which means... $5 bet wins you $14.25. Now, may not sound like a lot of money, but when you look, and again, you don't have to bet $5. You can bet one, you can bet 500 I ain't your daddy. I ain't your papa. But I'm just laying it out there the way it is. So here's the four-way parlay. Straight money line. You ready? Buffalo Bills to win, Cincinnati Bengals to win, Minnesota Vikings to win, and the LA Chargers to win. I think these are pretty good safe bets. So does Vegas, which is why I had to tie them into a parlay to get any kind of action out of them and get the plus 285. But I feel very, very good about this four-way parlay. Our next one that we have is an eight-way parlay. Now, this is this is where, again, like you throw a dollar on this, right? Like if you throw a dollar and this hits, it's $172.55. And I'm sure, you know, some degenerate out there is sitting there thinking, yeah, but if I throw $100 on it, that means I could win 17 grand. Like, we got those bets on our, our Patreon thing. Like, like s save it. But here, here's our eight-way parlay, right? You throw a dollar, you get 172 bucks. It's not a bad return for just eight picks, right? And here's the eight-way parlay. This one has the spreads. So instead of money lines where you're just betting the team to win, this one actually has the spreads. So your eight-way parlay is... Miami Dolphins to cover the five and a half. Cincinnati Bengals to win by five. The Ravens to win by three. The Washington Commanders to win, uh, I'm sorry, to cover seven points. The Vikings to win by six. The Browns to win by four and a half. The Chargers to win by seven. And the Chiefs to win by seven. Those eight will make your eight-way parlay where, again, it's plus 17255 So a dollar gets you $172.55. Now, if you do subscribe to our Patreon, if you are part of the Regulator Army, then that means you have access to our extra locks and our Patreon exclusives, including a 16-way bet, 
parlay that we have one dollar one dollar obviously it's tough to hit but so is the lotto and you chumps play that shit so this has much better odds still not great but one dollar hits fifteen thousand three hundred and seventy five dollars and thirty one cents off a dollar it's a dollar man so here i almost read it oh i almost read it i was slipping i almost read the 16-way parlay that's what the Patreon is for. So again, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Look up Regulators Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and I will give you those. Also, as I mentioned, I'm very in on the round robin this week. That's where we're going to start putting a bunch of big things and we will see how that goes. As always, you can track all of our receipts, everything that we have when you go on our Patreon and see all of our bets, how we're doing. Again, we're up four units on the season so far season's only two weeks so i will take that and i will run with it other than that i love the shit out of you guys i cannot thank you enough for ten thousand followers i can't thank you enough for the downloads and the listens from 42 countries i love the shit out of you guys we're working on some very big things including some major giveaways that we're going to start this week so keep an eye on our twitter page at regulators pod to keep up with us and everything that we have going on other than that I'm out. My name is Waldo. This is the Regulators Podcast. Peace.